0: Echo's box podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people out of respect for all. Please do not listen if this content isn't right for you and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. everyone welcome back to echo's box this is episode 28 curses just in time for halloween in fact i'm a whole day early look at me go before the end of the month i i totally missed my goal of getting an episode out earlier in the month but there's reasons for that we'll get to i'll talk about things did not go through the way i thought they would uh but it's all good everything's still rocking and rolling what did go through however was my new ep toxic just dropped and you were just listening to toxic off of that ep the The title track. It's just a little three-song EP I put out, Um, and I'm real proud of it. I I put a lot of work into it. Um, I actually used some beats from the producer Ben Cheeky, who does a lot of stuff for Chase Atlantic, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Phenomenal work, and it really just it changed the workflow a little bit. You know, it's like having to only focus on vocal melodies and kind of song structure, and and what the song is ultimately about was a lot more creatively freeing and less time consuming in every way possible. Now it comes at a cost of money, I have to pay, pay my producers, you know. Um, but it, it was ultimately a really good experience. And then of course I still had the freedom to change the arrangement, change up the beat and the music any way I wanted to after the fact if there's something I wanted to add to it. And I did for a couple of those, but two of those tracks on there, uh, AWHF and Toxic were both produced by Ben Cheeky and super fun to work with, with those arrangements. Uh, and then Bloodlines, another song that's on that EP. That one I wrote entirely from scratch myself, and uh, yeah, just really proud. I feel like it's a good step up from the last bit of music I produced. Toxic has a music video that's out, uh, so yeah, go check all that out. You know, I've been promoting it on my social media. If you follow me on on It's Jones Music already, so you've probably already seen that. But if not, if you're just a podcast listener and don't even know that I make music, uh, I, first off, I, I mentioned in every episode because shameless plugs. You know, gotta gotta use my. A small platform for what i got uh but yeah go check that out it's jones music on all the social media platforms and then just jones with a weird upside down e if you're searching on spotify it's kind of hard to find me so go through the social media trust me uh but yeah so i've got a couple announcements before i get to the thing and then I've after we we talk about the thing then we're gonna get to the actual thing which is the episode which will be about curses um so, first off, uh, more music stuff. I am playing in my band, Lost on the Mons, my little pop-punk band you've probably heard uh, some snippets of on the podcast before. We're playing on November 11th at Jarfest at Jarfly in Columbus, Georgia. That's gonna be a fucking fun show. It's a small little festival. Probably like, I think there's like six bands or something like that uh, i'm probably getting that wrong but yeah go check that out we're playing around five o'clock ish like 5 30 like later later five o'clock uh in the afternoon um eastern time so yeah come check us out at that i believe it's free and then at the end of the month on black friday if you happen to be in the Columbus, Georgia area, we are playing our annual Black Friday show at The Loft. We've got a crazy lineup for that. We've got Avian Theory, No Yeah, The Normas, Hopes on Hold, and then of course us. And it's just gonna be a blast. The show sells out every year, so make sure you get your tickets now. The pre-sales are $15 and it's 20 at the door, if there's even capacity left. So, you know, we're hyping it up now. Flyers are out there, go check it out. You can get your tickets at theloft.com and our event should be posted on there. Um, or you can uh, follow Lawson Le Mons on social media and the, uh, the ticket links in the bio and all that. All right. That's all like the announcement stuff out of the way, I think. I think I covered everything. Uh, so yeah, let's talk about why I am late on releasing an episode when I said I was going to be early. Now, I know I'm technically not late. I'm actually on time in terms of my normal podcast schedule. But last time I said that I was going to be making some early announcements. And that is because I had announcements to make. Um, I no longer have those announcements to make, so therefore the drive to put out an episode earlier was lost. You know, the, oh, the whole idea being like, well, I don't have a huge audience on here as of yet. Make sure you share with your friends if you like it. Um, but even though that, that's not the case, it's still good to promote. You know, reach out everywhere you can. The, the one or two people that are listening and picking up what, you, what you're putting down, I guess, is is better than sending it to nobody, y'all, nobody and reaching nobody. So... That was the kind of the idea but like i said those announcements fell through and those announcements were that i was going to go on tour as an opener for moosh money and moosh money uh if you haven't heard of him he was uh pretty popular back i think in like 2017 with moosh and twist uh maybe i'm getting the the years wrong on that off the top of my head but um he's doing his own thing now and he was gonna go on tour and he had uh, a small tour package i think of about three or four and uh, well him one other person and then Uh, an opener maybe two openers depending on the city and i was going to be one of the main openers for the majority of the tour of the tour Uh, i don't have i I work a day job so i can only get so much time off so i was only going to play for about seven shows but that was that was a good chunk of it um that ended up falling through they didn't really kind of promote things and and get things organized and schedules how they should have so they kind of like let it go everything's still cool Um, but, uh, maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe they'll, he, he was talking to me today about them rescheduling it. But, um, right now at this point, it's just like, okay, well, I just need my, my slot deposit back and we're good to go. And if the dates work out in the, in the future, then sure, we'll consider it. But right now things are kind of in limbo and I'm like. Eh, well at least it pushed me to put out three new songs so that was the other announcement i was going to make was the toxic peeve was being released and the reason i cranked that out as quickly as i did is because well if i was going to be on tour i had like a 45 minute set i needed 45 minutes worth of music and i didn't want to just play covers the whole time i wanted to be playing my own shit and put myself out there so the 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 happy ending to all this is while that did get canceled uh and maybe rescheduled in the future you'll know uh if it happens um while that is the case it still got me to put out some new music so i'm pretty pretty stoked about all that and uh yeah so that's why i'm not putting out an episode early this month and instead putting it out the day before the end of the month because i didn't have anything really to talk about in terms of those special announcements so nothing's happening the only things that are happening right now that you need to be aware of are those shows with lost in the Mon's. make sure you're there come check us out it'll be a good time Let's get into the meat of the episode. So we're talking about curses. I thought this would be a really fun topic today because I mentioned them in the last episode. I think I said something along the lines of, if somebody tries to curse you, just don't let it affect you, that's how it works. That was my synopsis and that was a hot take. And obviously there's a lot more nuance to that, but it was funny because my partner and I were actually having conversation, having a conversation the other day about this. Um, and she was telling me a story about her mom. She her mom practiced uh, uh, some some sort of witchcraft tradition. She doesn't really know. She's probably Wiccan, but she was not a not a nice person, uh, unfortunately. So she she did all kinds of of weird shit and um had this basically this box full of just bad things that that were like. Uh, what, what you would call, what we'll identify as curses ultimately, as as I'm describing the MVFs. but these were basically curses, whether it was like something malicious or wishing ill intent or ill will on somebody written down on a piece of paper with like a lock of their hair or something weird and creepy like that. We were talking about that and I was explaining to her, well, you know, I wouldn't purposefully touch those items knowing that they are intentionally malevolent in nature and in, in energy like if if i as a person stared at the guitar pick that's in front of me right now and was like i want whoever to play that that uses this um, guitar pick to play uh to always break a string and i knew that was the thing on it i wouldn't want to pick up my own guitar pick even if nothing it was actually going to happen even it's just a whole load of horse shit, the energy the intention is just bad that's like having a bad heart that's the ideas yeah i had a bad heart. In, in what I wished this would do to somebody, whether or not it'll happen is neither here nor there. It's just not okay. It's not nice. It's not friendly. It's not kind. Um, so I wouldn't touch it. So even though I am somebody who is more than comfortable dealing with magical artifacts and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, stuff from antiquity, holy scriptures, whatever it is, I have no problem picking stuff up and messing around with it. I'm also, you know, I, I can bless things if I need to. I can handle my situations no matter what you believe in. Even if I think it's a load of horse shit, I'm always cautious just in case because I don't want to affiliate myself with negative things like that. Uh, so we were talking about this box of stuff and I was like, well, she was she was like, yeah, we basically just, you know, buried it. And I was like, yeah, that's the least efficient form to cleanse something but it'll work just fine it's only the least efficient because it takes time the earth will eventually decay it and it will disperse out and everything's hunky-dory but it just takes time but for some things like if it's made of plastic it's one dangerous for you to breathe in and bad for the environment to burn um you don't want to put it in the ocean so sometimes you know burying it six feet in the earth is is the best way to go if you're just trying to dispose of it and it creeps you out so i was like yeah even i wouldn't attempt to cleanse it naturally just because or cleanse it non naturally cleanse it spiritually um, just because I know what it is like I'm not going to touch it there's no point um, unless there was something worth recovering from those items that was important or meaningful or we had a reason to uh, dig around there and 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 need some sort of information or evidence or something practical then I have no fear or or any kind of qualm with handling those materials it's not not an issue and the reason is because for the most part curses are just a load of shit um you know the my favorite thing about them though is while that's only partly true is that the way media depicts curses oftentimes and even like possessions or paranormal experiences is actually pretty pretty accurate when you think about it now obviously it's drummed up for hollywood it doesn't work exactly that way but you know, we were we were watching scary while we, me and my partner were having this conversation. We were watching some scary movies, or I guess scary YouTube videos. Most of it was actually Game Game Grumps gameplay of the their Halloween stuff, I think. Uh, but we were watching that kind of the background, and we were talking about you know paranormal experiences and spooky stuff like the the cursed box with their mom and all that kind of stuff. And I even talked with my therapist about this. I was like, "What do you think about the phenomenon that is you know?" seeing ghost you know w- where's the line of between that and schizophrenia because uh, or any other kind of hallucinogenic um experience uh or or mental mental health issue where's the line you know because most children will tell you that, they, that they've seen a ghost most people even adults have seen or had some kind of paranormal experience in their lifetime that's just hard to explain modern science can only explain it to so many degrees and there's a lot of thoughts on this and my my theory that i came up with while i was talking to my partner she was just kind of explaining to me which is great she's not a practicing anything she's kind of interested in some chinese traditions and and other eastern traditions but she's not really into any one specific thing she's just kind of open to the information And uh, she was just sharing her experiences and and based on her experiences, what she thought about those kind of things. And it was interesting because as I sat and listened, I was like, I was picking up on some things that I have learned throughout my practices. And they were kind of adding up with what she was saying. So just her natural experience led her to some of the same conclusions. And what was neat is I was actually able to fill in some of the details because where she would be like, oh, well, I saw this thing, but then my friend didn't see it. And then this other time I saw this thing and we both saw it, but my mom didn't see it. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's there, it's, it's all this energy. It's, you know, how these people died or connected through whatever it is you believe. Um, And it got my brain thinking, we are all just you know energy at the end of the day everything is just energy we came from energy that i guess came from nothing or something you know something had to set the law of thermodynamics in motion. you you big bang it you got it whatever whatever fucking origin story you want to you want to believe in that happens energy is in motion we live life we live existence we experience consciousness we die we decay into the earth all of these steps even into the decaying are all transfers of energy eventually the energy goes somewhere and there's an interesting thing about the human psyche and the sorts of experiences that we have your brain can basically create anything that you want it to different people have different you know uh proficiencies in this they can some people can visualize things really 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 well some people can only feel uh emotion i think i was watching the uh the maximum damage podcast it's a new podcast from um Idubs and anisa um and they were they had a, an episode i think it's the second episode where they were talking about how Idubs can very clearly visualize if you say picture a red apple he can see like a 3d model rotating his head and anisa just can't she could describe the feelings or the associations of an apple you can be like it's you know most apples are red they have this kind of taste and she's drawing back on experiences and feelings so different proficiencies for different people. I thought that they illustrated that really well as they were speaking. And um, yeah, so, so I had the same idea about paranormal experiences. Like, okay, what if all of these things are real? Even even up to the degree of something severe, like a mental illness or something like schiz- schizophrenia that is an uncontrollable and, and even a kind of burden for some people, probably for most people, if, if untreated um issue that that some humans experience what if all of those are valid what if the entities that a child sees in the the entities a, a schizophrenic person sees are all real in their own right now don't get me wrong you know we're very clearly not experiencing the same things but to the person when you experience something, it's real to you even if it's not real. And it's a hard thing to wrap our minds around because if you're overly analytical about it, say I'm a person with schizophrenia, I see a common uh, trend is they'll see a lot of these, um, and it's different for everybody, so I'm really generalizing here, forgive me, but uh, one one thing that I've seen when when doing this research is, squiggles basically like really crude, creepy drawings of faces and, and other things and, and some, some are way different experiences than others. This is just one common one that I, I've seen um that has had repeated instances, but obviously it's very different. It's a very complicated topic. But my point is they they very much experience those things. The whether it's auditory hallucinations, visuals or both, those are very real things that are happening and being experienced to the individual. Nobody else around them can see them happening. But does that make them any less real? Your experiences are all you have. That's kind of the point I'm getting to. And when it comes to a mental health issue, it's obviously more complicated. If it is something that we can fix with therapy and medicine, which honestly, that's what kind of sucks right now is a lot of those things can't. You can treat it and manage it, but you can't like get rid of it, per se. It's Mental health issues are complicated. You can't, look, if we can fix... Schizophrenia. I hope we can fix depression next. I hope we can quit, quote unquote fix all of these things. They're, they're they are things we qualify as illnesses because they can be impairing and harmful, not because they make you a lesser person. And I think that's something that I try to communicate very hard on this podcast. I don't think I'm lesser because I feel empty all the time and I have panic attacks. I think it can be debilitating. I think it can be harmful and therefore I, I would classify it as an illness, but and, and I would love to get rid of it, I think it sucks, but you're not lesser for those things. And um, your, your experiences of those things are extremely valid, they, they are real to you. Now, there is that line, that's where I started talking about the treatment side of things is, if you can make it better, try to make it better, because even though that's your current reality, if you can change your reality, then you can experience a better reality a different reality that that is better and healthier for you and that is good so if everything's your experiences try to figure out a way to make the best experience possible for yourself that's kind of what i'm getting at however when we're talking about kids seeing the same ghost in the room and parents not yeah, this is something you see in horror movies too. But even my partner described an experience like this. I've had experiences like this when I was a younger kid. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I guess this is more of a folklore type thing. But a lot of um, urban legend folklore type things all indicate that children are more susceptible to these experiences than adults. And there is some, at least, spiritual science, some some hokey science, if you will, uh, to this where. Children are not fully developed. They are growing and developing. Their consciousness is there, but they're still learning. Synapses are still connecting. Cells are dying, reforming, and growing. Like, it, that's the scientific part of it. They are actively changing. They were, will not be the same being they were at five as, as they will at 25. It's just your your cells have died and regenerated however thousands of times over. Um, so in in a sense, because you're not fully developed, it does make sense that you might be more susceptible to these weird energetic experiences and also be able to share them with other people um, who are are in a similar state. But then there's other times where it's like, maybe in the moment you see something and somebody else doesn't, but then you leave. And then when the other person's alone, they end up seeing the same thing and you can both describe it. one of the other stories my partner told me was about how she saw this shadow figure and it was something about it being related to tv i want to tell her her stories just in case i have her on the podcast one day but um anyway there's some shadowy figure and uh she saw it and tried to tell her mom about it her mom was like shut up it's it's not it's not anything then she was gone from the house and then her mom called her one day and was like i saw it it ran back into the thing like oh my gosh, she was they were both freaking out they could both describe exactly the same thing and this is something that we see in movies as a horror trope a lot too right so you'll have a mom that doesn't believe the kid that there was a ghost in the room and then the kid is gone at school the next day and then the mom walks upstairs and then boom gotcha jump scare. there's there's some kind of ghost or something that happens very common trope but i think the the reason for that is what well, my theory is. You know, as, as a as a as a Thelemic priest and a, a, a hacker and a musician, those are my credentials. <laughs> uh, but in all serious, in all seriousness, uh, based on what I actually truly do think about this, is you are susceptible to things at certain stages of your life, and that susceptibility and openness of your own mind can create interesting experiences. And this I know to be true from my practice in ceremonial magic. If I were to sit in my meditation room every day and just stare at a wall and just meditate and do nothing else, uh, no visualization, just stare at a wall, I would eventually have the benefits of meditation, whether it's just the dissolution of self or uh, the clarity and the focus that it brings, the the mindfulness that it brings, the the nothingness and togetherness, all of these ideas in, in Zen and Buddhism and all these kind of stuff, I would get all those benefits. What I wouldn't do is just start seeing visuals of angels on the wall and hearing these weird auditory stimuli in that same meditative states because that's what's interesting about magic. I'm in the same state when it comes to meditation. I'm trying to get myself locked in to that kind of, Boom. Brain empty. We are nothing. We are everything. All that hoopla. While also creating stimuli for my brain to interact with. That is the ritualistic part of ceremonial magic as opposed to just a raw meditation. So I am creating susceptibility to myself to see things that are not there. To hear things that are not there. To think things that I would not have thought not in these states. That's by force and by choice. I'm putting myself into that state with full intention of trying to get that result. But when we're talking about these weird paranormal experiences. Maybe you're just in that state. Maybe you're a little bit worried about stuff. You know, your child perhaps was susceptible to it because of the, their, their state of not being a fully developed person. They saw a thing then they told you about it. and Now you're a little bit paranoid now your brain's opening up a little bit and then bam it happens for you you see the thing so you you ended up opening your psyche up a little bit to this thing that originally you would have just never noticed and may have never noticed maybe your child saw it for the rest of the life and you saw nothing else and then your child you know developed and grew up and it stopped having these are common things these are tropes in horror movies these are things that are repeatable experiences and folklore tales and even your your, your brother's sister's monkey's uncle will tell you a story like that. These are things that we can pretty closely find if you talk to at least anybody in your in your vicinity. There's bound to be someone. I say within the first 10 people you talk to, I'm going to make a bet. This isn't stats. These aren't facts, but I'm going to make a bet. Within the first 10 people you talk to, one of them is bound to say they've had some sort of paranormal experience, and it's probably something like what I've described. It's very generic. So... um. With all that said, how does that relate to curses? Yeah, I started talking about ghosts and 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 hallucinations and stuff. How's all that relate to curses? That is where the susceptibility comes in. So I'm gonna talk about curses for a little bit. I'm gonna talk about uh, some examples. We're gonna look at some Irish folklore, we're gonna look at some stuff from some university research we're gonna look at the bible a little bit we're gonna look at just a couple different things I'm just gonna pull out some stuff out of the magic Cat, aka uh, my my web browser here that I've pulled up just for some quick references to use as examples of what I want to describe today and that is curses are spooky but they're really not anything to worry about when you when you actually know this information so to speak Um, and even if you don't know it if you never thought about any of this before and it didn't matter to you the result's the same it's awesome i can't wait uh I'm, i'm excited about geeky little little tidbits like that so curses are they valid oh yeah yeah curses are a huge thing so curses are all about wishing ill on somebody if you had to summarize what a curse is it is to wish ill on another person you know in in your your good old sunday bible school they'll teach you that cursing is bad but we're talking about not saying shit fuck damn in hell when these words didn't even exist in ancient Hebrew and Aramaic um, that is just biblically not true you can say whatever fuck ton of fuck swear words you want a swear word is just impolite based on culture it has nothing to do with a curse but to wish ill on somebody is a curse if I were to tell somebody to go fucking kill themselves that means the same thing as just Go kill yourself without the sp- without swear word. It's all about the intention of what I'm communicating, and um, it's just funny. I remember having arguments. This is a side tangent to all hell. I just remember having arguments, not arguments, but discussions with youth pastors at a young age about that, and they did not want to encourage swearing. <laughs> so I understand where they came from, but it was very frustrating as a teenager to be like, "This doesn't make sense in the Bible. Why is why are we told not to say ass?" Ass is a funny word. This doesn't make sense, uh, and they would just be like, "Well, we can't curse, you know." I was like, "But that's not what the Bible's talking about." They would be like, "Yeah, but basically, just don't do it." I was like, "Okay, so you admit that it has nothing to do with that, but you can't, you can't say that as a as a representative of the church." It always just grinded my gear the wrong way, um, and I think it's funny now, and I do understand why it was the case. Now you can't have a bunch of fourteen-year-old kids running around just saying shit fuck ass pastor said it was okay (laughs) you know um but i just think it's it's just kind of funny but yeah so that's that's the idea behind curses they are just ill-intent and ill-intended statements ill-intended focuses of energy ill-intended thoughts that are purposeful to direct against somebody or something so one of these first articles i've got got up here it's just some random article i don't know how um how relevant it is it's, it's from the uh, oxford academic journals um it is called irish cursing in the art of magic from 1750 to 2018 and right at the beginning it has this curse and the curse goes like this bad cess on you devil take you may you never prosper the first drop of water to quench your thirst may it boil in your bowels May the flesh rot off your bones and fall away putrid before your eyes. May your limbs wither and the stench of your rotten carcass be too horrible for hungry dogs. May you fade into nothing like snow in summer. May you be accursed in the sight of God and hated by your fellow man. May you die without a priest. May the Almighty's curse rest on your children. This I pray. Holy shit. That is a hard fucking diss. That is how I take that. Um, so this is this is a uh, a pretty popular curse. Um, uh, back in uh, uh, may even be I think it says 1830s to 1850s. No, I, Ireland had this way before then. Yeah, I've got to remember the the Gaelic uh, origins here. But that, that is one of the common curses you may have uh, may pick up uh, when reading Irish literature about. Uh, curses in particular And basically what it's saying is uh, May your life go to shit May you be so hated That nobody cares for you Not even the dogs will, will Eat your rotting carcass And may you basically be damned By God himself And uh, also That last line may the almighty's curse Rest on your children uh, This is becomes a generational Curse They say this I pray at the end it's prayer. It's magic. It's focus. It's meditation. But the focus instead of on what something like a ceremonial magic practice, when you were to do a meditation, you would, um, and here's an example of how I might perform this curse. So normally I would do a lesser banishing ritual to cleanse my space and then like a lesser invoking ritual or maybe a celestial lotus ritual or something like that. Invoke a bunch of angels and be like, yo, help me to achieve the great work. Help me to achieve my true will. All these things that I would normally personally conduct in my own own practice to better my self-development and better my, my um, focus in, in all things, in all aspects of life. Instead of saying all those nice things to help myself, I would replace that with the curse that I just read off, the, the old bats us on you, devil take it. I would say this and say, hey, target this person with this energy, but I would do the same ritual. You know, if you're super edgy, maybe you'll invoke the Goetic correspondences instead of the angelic correspondences. But it's all the same shit. All the all the same goal, all the same things achieved. Um, what's crazy about some of this stuff, though, uh, I love this article's references uh, back to Gaelic uh, traditions. Where was the... Ah, yeah, here we go. The words for curses and cursings did not really overlap with the vocabulary uh, for witchcraft and peshugs as evil spirits were sometimes called. Um, this goes on to say, uh, Witchcraft and Shugs were straightforward malicious magic designed to visit harm or death on anybody, whether good or evil, innocent or guilty. In practice, they amounted to things like ill-wishing the evil eye and leaving rotting meat or eggs on the neighbor's land just to bring bad luck. Uh, So this is... Common cursing, kind of like I've been referring to. Now, all of this actually goes under the same umbrella, but this is still interesting. Cursing uh, from a in a Gaelic tradition or Irish tradition uh, that, that goes back uh, way further uh, is just a form of supernatural violence. Uh, that's how this article describes it. And according to this, it only worked on people who deserved it. These are evildoers, killers, cheats, betrayers, and so on. This is an interesting point. I'm going I'm to kind of meld these two ideas together because um, I think it's right. I just think there's uh, more to it than this. Um, when, let's see, when we do not deserve the curse, we would not heed it. The curse of the wicked never availed. That's some farmer from County Mayo that back in 1834 when asked about the topic. So unjust curses basically um, just didn't work on unless you were actually somebody who deserved it that's kind of the idea um it even says here they these curses would rebound on their castle on the casters unless the casters quickly canceled the maledictions with a blessing or formula such as uh i don't know how to pronounce this as all it's spelled a-g-u-s space C R O -S 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 S. A-I-M space T-H-U with a little accent over the U. Not even try to butcher Gaelic. I cannot speak Gaelic. Um, But the English translation for that is I cross you. So uh, in ceremonial magic, that would be akin to performing something like the Kabbalistic Cross. And, um, basically, uh... Oh, no, I don't even have to say basically. They gave me a fucking proverb here. So, Proverbs in Gaelic and English reiterated the point. Curses, like chickens, come home to roost. And this is something powerful. This is kind of the main idea of the podcast today. So, I'm glad we're already here, uh, even without going on to the other examples. Um, Even though they used witchcraft and Peshogs as um, this idea of straightforward evil magic that could care less if you were evil or good um these forms of supernatural magic and this form of practical magic actually are the same and this comes from um other magic traditions namely ceremonial magic that's kind of where i keep going back to here um but the idea of as above so below you know even in christianity um where you have the prayer you know Thy will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. It's the same idea, that, that prayer. Um, practical magic, practical curses have practical nasty things. Like if I were to leave some rotting meat on your doorstep, that's going to cause a lot of practical problems. That's more than just a a, a a curse. That is just a mean thing to do that's going to have natural consequences. But if you put also evil intention behind it, you're also essentially sending off a supernatural attack. However, these straightforward forms of malicious magic that this article is referencing is not free from the rule of unjust curses coming back to hit the caster. So a lot of times people who are practicing uh, magic and using it for more malevolent purchase, uh, purposes, whether you're a ceremonial magician, a, a Wiccan, uh, somebody who practices some kind of voodoo tradition, you know, all of these traditions can be used for the same goal the same goal as buddhism same goal as christianity same goal as hinduism same goal of enlightenment all of these traditions can be used in or as a path to achieve what i would call great work but others might call enlightenment crossing the abyss whatever it is all of them can be used as tools for that if not full-on straight traditions if they're not a tradition for that it still has some value they also can all be used for selfish gain and malevolence and evil, if you want to view it that way. Um, it is this the duality of existence. Evil exists and good exists, that's how it works. So of course you can use them for both. So um, all that to say is, it's interesting that they withheld in their tradition this rule that if you didn't deserve the curse, nothing bad would happen to you. And if, uh, and if that was also true, it would rebound. Where, they, where they're where they off or I won't say off cause it's not necessarily r- right or wrong. It's not about right or wrong. But what we have more learned in different traditions is it's a little bit beyond that. It's also that uh, not only does the curse come back tenfold if they didn't deserve it, it does even if they did. Because this is energy you put out to the world. If you send somebody a curse and they received the curse because they deserved it. And they get hit with the curse. Bad things happen to him, them. Eventually that energy goes somewhere. And it's it's destined to come back for you at some point. You chose to use your will to impact the will of another person that comes at a cost no matter what. Now, kind of uh, can't doing this cancellation method such as blessing yourself and... Um, kind of trying to prevent the effects of a rebound, whether, uh, you, deserve, whether you deserve the rebounds, so to speak, or not. Um, those are tactics, but they are tactics that a wiser magician than me would tell you uh, just delay the inevitable. We all do bad things in life. We all have something coming for us at the end that we're going to have to deal with. If I were to curse somebody bless myself protect myself from the curse eventually eventually that energy that i put out is going to break down i'm gonna to have to deal with it i'm gonna to have to deal with it just like any other negative thing that i've ever done in life because i'm a human being when we choose to cause someone harm we are choosing that consequence and you can delay the inevitable all you want but eventually it comes back to get you eastern traditions call this karma and it applies in magic as well. You're not safe from it just because you're a ceremonial magician or a Wiccan. Um, and this is practical karma. You know, there's a broader, some more spiritual karma. And this may be also the answer. Maybe nothing practical happens to you in a lifetime. from it. You're completely free. You live your life, get away with the curse. Everything's great. Um, but when you die, that curse might be weighed against your, your soul at the end. Depends on what you believe i don't i don't necessarily know that any of that's true but that is how these different these different traditions reconcile it. and we all reconcile it basically the same way we have different rules if, ands and buts about it like the the gaelic traditions seem to think that um you can completely bless it away i would disagree with that just a little bit they also um however think that curses only affect those that deserve it and this is where things get interesting because i actually kind of agree with this um I do not think. In fact, I, I I'm stating this as a fact, not just what I think. Uh, you can't curse somebody who doesn't know you're cursing them. If I were to, to curse Sally Sue from Timbuktu, I don't know. Who, I don't know anybody named Sally Sue. First off, and I don't even wouldn't even be able to fathom what that looks like to begin with. And I, but let's say I did that, nothing would happen. They, this is a person that doesn't know me. I don't know them. I don't know what they think or believe. I don't know what they're susceptible to and not. um, Nothing would happen. But this idea that a curse affects somebody who deserves it is interesting because they might be more susceptible to receiving the curse than somebody who is completely ignorant to what magic is at all. Guilt is a big proponent of this. So say somebody stole from you or caused you harm. They know they did it and maybe they're not guilty, but they still know what they did was bad. They did it on purpose. They either did it with malintention already, which is magic in and of itself. That is a curse. If you want to get into the nitty gritty of it, uh, or maybe they do feel guilt for what they did. Either way, there's something going on in their psyche where they did a bad thing. They know they did a bad thing. So maybe if you curse them, the energy will make its way and find them and affect them. And at least practicing wishes who do this will tell you that this does tend to work. Um, I would would tend to uh, agree with that. That makes sense. If it's justified and the person is deserving, I think they are more likely in the mental state where they will receive it. Now, I think the caveat is that that's not guaranteed think they're more likely but if they're not if they're perfectly protected if they are completely ignorant and they don't believe in any of it at all uh or maybe they just don't care nothing is going to happen but i think it is more likely if you're going to pick a person to target somebody deserving of it makes the most sense to go through uh without having to have any formal interaction with them to inform them otherwise you have to basically make people think that you're going to curse them. Uh, I've seen voodoo practitioners do this with like a vague threat. They'll it'll be like, uh, they won't curse you initially, but they'll, they'll basically be like almost like gangster, like in nature and be like, I'm coming for you. Watch your back, give you a warning, give you time to put your shields up basically. And then maybe they'll go home and do a curse. I've seen some voodoo practitioners do that. Now th- these aren't my friends, mind you. And I'm not saying this is all voodoo practitioners. Like is said, some, some food was great. Um, it's not, it's not the practice, it's the practitioner. These practitioners were not uh, very savory people. So, um, yeah, uh, that is a tactic just to kind of get in your head before I go issue a curse on you. Now I'm in your head. Now you think. You start to think, oh, shit, oh, shit. Every bad thing that's happening is because it's a curse. I'm cursed. I got to go do a cleanse. And the more you think about it, the more you feed the idea, idea energy. And if they did do a curse... You're just helping it. If they didn't, you're just you're beating yourself up. <laughs> you're causing your own mayhem. And uh, yeah, so that's that's interesting. Um, so yeah, the curses don't actually do anything. They're just this, this is the bottom curses don't do anything unless you meet these specific conditions. Um, it's pretty pretty straightforward. So if somebody curses you, just don't give a shit and it'll be fine. That's that's literally the the, the answer. Like I'm not even bullshitting just don't care and you'll be okay if you think about it too much you'll you'll fucking run yourself into a, a dumb psyche hole go get some goddamn therapy um if you deserve it um and somebody curses you and it doesn't work on you well fuck you for being a shitty person but also i mean guess good job at taking the advice um let's let's talk about some more curses though i want to i want to get into this you know get into the the halloween spirit I only have a couple more things I want to go over, but um, there are a couple of examples in the Bible of curses occurring. Um, and I don't want to give this idea that if you do curses, you're a bad person, you're a bad thing. It's like, no, you can do curses. It doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't make you a, a good person or a bad. Your path is your path. And um, the the only message here is to, to illustrate how they actually work and what are the consequences of them or what are the benefits of them. The benefits is you might... Get something out of your way that was causing you a problem. The downside is it will eventually come back to get you. You do have to pay for, for that, uh, that intention that you put out in the world. There's a cost to it. It's just the the, the yin and yang, quite literally, so to speak. Um, anyway, uh, in the Bible, however, we we do see a lot of curses. You know, there are the the list of curses against trans- transgressors of the law in and Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. I don't think those are quite as interesting as, uh, the common one of the 10 plagues of Egypt. Um, that, uh, that is a very interesting set of curses because that is very divine in nature and very practical based on what we've seen. So in the plagues of Egypt, we're dealing with God actually being the one executing these curses and says, this is what the Lord says by this, you will know that I am the Lord with the staff that is in my hands, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the river will stink, and the Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. So this is this is from Exodus, and this is one of the one of the plagues turned water and the blood. Um, that sounds a lot like that curse that I rattled off from the the Irish cursing um, uh, article, right? So we see these God is executing curses, God. Is, is having these these magical acts. I could execute a curse just like this in the name of God or whatever you believe in and it would have the same effect. The difference is, at least for the sake of storytelling, God is, is God. God is the source of all energy. So therefore, a curse from God is going to work because if God is executing all the energy and living through all the things, all things will happen. Now the the question is: Does the curse come back to bite God? The answer is, yeah, yeah. That's how that's how that works. God made the rules. God is the energy, but it it's not it, it's not paradoxical as you might think it is. It's actually quite uniform. God already is experiencing everything that exists all at once. This idea of God—I'm using the word God, but you can call it whatever you want. You know, this infinite source of energy is experiencing all things. We are part of it. It's experiencing things through us. We are part of the experience. We are God in that sense. Um, but we're just a fractal. We're just experiencing this as us. So, the—but if we're at least for the sake of storytelling and, and Exodus, talking about God executing. Will in the form of a curse, in the form of this plague, um, then yeah, the curse technically comes bite to back God, but God's already experienced it. God experiences everything. God, it, it, by the logic we're going on, God cursed himself. But the idea, at least from a teaching of ceremonial magic, is to illustrate what curses are like and what they do and show that this is magic um obviously there's more to that there's more moral to the overstore overall story of the plagues of egypt uh it was not about just curses these were just part of it this is a lesson that as a ceremonial magician we take out of this um but of course the plagues of egypt in the bible are uh there to uh to tell the story of of how god is on the side of the israelites and trying to emancipate them uh and free them from uh being slaves in Egypt. That's what that, that story is actually about. Uh, but if you take those curses in their own context, what I've talked about in terms of magic is, is actually what they mean, which is really cool that we can, we can have those two perspectives. Uh, moving towards the New Testament, though, we've got the good old story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. Now, there's a lot of weird interpretations around this about it being a parable, about... Uh, Jews of the era not accepting Jesus as the Messiah and some kind of uh, parable that uh, or, or kind of whatever the word is for that correlation to it being the the fig tree representing Jerusalem failing and the Jewish nation being brought to the end. It's it's a whole thing. If you just like look a Wikipedia article up on it, there's a lot of ifs ands and buts. I think it's a lot more simple than that. You just go read the fucking Bible. That's you know, typically the answer to a lot of this. Uh, while while some internet sources are helpful in dissecting this, it's this particular story is pretty straightforward. So basically, Jesus. Uh, this is in it's actually in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, um, and I believe also in the the Gospel of Thomas, but. Each one paints a different narrative on it. Uh, Mark is probably the the primary one that that paints it as a as clearly. Um, well, Matthew does too, but Mark and Matthew illustrate the main curse idea that we're trying to get across here. So um, the idea is that there's this fig tree uh, that Jesus sees on their way to Jer- Jerusalem um, and it's not bearing any fruit. Now mind you, It's not in season for the fig tree to bear fruit, but Jesus curses it because there's no fruit on the fig tree. Like, hey, this fig tree's got no fruit. Fuck this fig tree. That's Jesus. Direct quote. Uh, um, And then in Jerusalem, while he's there, he drives out um, the money changers from the temple. um, And then the next morning, the disciples find that the, the fig tree now has withered and died. And the implied message, the symbolism there is that the fig tree was there not producing any fruit and so jesus cursed it and killed it and the 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 crossover there is that the temple was not producing any spiritual fruit the people there were not actually serving their their correct purpose they're actually serving spirituality they were serving money they were serving other gods whatever it is that they that they were doing they weren't worshiping god or they weren't practicing goodness and spirituality in their own right and so this parallel to the fig tree is that just like jesus cursing the fig tree that wasn't producing fruit died this this temple will also die because it's not producing any spiritual fruit nothing good will come of it it will wither away and die that is really interesting because Jesus picked very wisely an inanimate object <laughs> to curse and kill. Now obviously trees and, and plants are living things, they have their own energy, but to curse that plant, the the energy that comes back doubly is not nearly as the same as impacting something else's will. You aren't necessarily impacting something with consciousness the same way unless you believe that plants have consciousness and that's kind of up to you but but um, I don't believe that's the case I think we can empirically prove that that is not the case um, but and in the, in the Jesus doing this is is also a, a good piece of evidence at least from a magical perspective that Jesus knew what the outcome of the church would be and rather than cursing this particular temple and impacting all these people will people's will, he just picks his fig tree and he knows it's, it's not in season. It shouldn't be growing figs anyway, but he uses it to illustrate, Hey, see how this thing's not producing any fruit right now. It doesn't matter. That's not in season. I'm cursing it. It's dead. It will wither away. And it's just there to symbolically illustrate that this too will wither away. If it ceases to produce fruit, that's pretty smart use of cursing. Jesus, Jesus knew how to do some curses, man. So again, cursing's not a bad thing. I think, it's kind of overkill, but it's you know the Bible. Everything in the Bible is fucking overkill. It's stories for the sake of stories and lessons for the sake of lessons. Um, so, yeah, cursing's not a bad thing. It's, you're not you're not bad if you if you want to do curses. I'm not saying don't do them, but I am saying they are pointless, probably ninety percent of the time, and they always have a cost. Um, kind of going further here uh, I've got this article from I think the University of Michigan it says of all issues connected with ancient magic none has evoked more fascination attraction or revulsion than the image of the lone magician closed in his or her room manipulating voodoo dolls chanting hymns of violence and destruction I I just thought that was just a really funny line from this little, little article on aggressive magic Uh, but that's what they call it. They don't call it curses. They call it aggressive magic in this, this more educational article. Um, uh, but it describes some different forms. So I mentioned one earlier about doing a ritual and speaking one, almost like a meditation or a prayer. But I also mentioned that, that spooky box of my partner's mom. Um, and according to this article, it says that aggressive magic could take many different forms. Uh, one of the most common ones is those that were committed to writing. um, it says being the lead tablets known in Greek as the keresmoi, in Latin as the defixions. No Latin better than Greek, so I'll probably bitch at the Greek. Um, so it says these these cursing and binding tablets seem to be a specifically Greek invention, known in Greece from fifth century BC and spreading from there throughout the Mediterranean the world. Anyway um it describes this whole thing of it's kind of like a fucking death note if you ever watch that anime it's like the victim's name scratched on a thin sheet of lead thrown to graves pits and all that kind of stuff um these are binding tablets um this is similar and ceremonial magic will do these things called um uh, wow the word is escaping my brain How, Sigils I'm fucking idiot We'll do sigils And uh, they'll represent usually uh, an archangel name But be surrounded in some kind of esoteric language Or even a pseudo-esoteric language I would call Theban Not an esoteric language It's more of a Caesar cipher for witches uh, But it is pseudo-esoteric In a way that it is very uh, useful For obscuring the messages That, that we're trying to do um, when writing intentions around the sigil. So basically draw the sigil, have it represent whatever the hell it is that you're trying to draw, use whatever formula you want, whether you're using Viking runes or the, the fancy Hebrew circle template, whatever it is when working with angels, whatever. Um, yeah, we do a similar thing. We draw a sigil, we do it, and this kind of binds things. And the, the thing is the, the actual in this case a tablet or the sheet of paper or whatever it is that you're you're writing this stuff on, that's not important. That is just the vessel. Um, What's important is the energy you're putting it in into it while you're doing it. Usually I will do a ceremonial ritual. And then while I'm in that space and in that mindset, I will then, uh, for example, let's say I do a sigil for Michael. I will use one of the, the templates to write out Michael's name to draw the sigil for him. And then around it, I'll either write a divine name or I'll write an intention either in Hebrew or if I'm trying to be simple, Theban, but you can even just write in English. The the language doesn't matter at all. But as you're writing it, this is the most important point. You put the energy into you focus. It's like I want this to happen. And if you're into manifestation, all that kind of stuff, it's it's just like that. Only you're using this as a vessel rather than just meditating on it or writing it down in a journal. You're drawing. You're using symbolism and then you're writing down around that we do that it's very similar so this this method of cursing by binding something is similar now while you can do it either way and it means the same thing it has the same effect the benefit of doing this way is it's really easy to burn bury drown use one of the natural elements to physically get rid of this and dispel the energy of the curse because all the energy from the curse is just emanating from the object and dispersing itself into the world naturally by existing so if you want to disperse that energy elsewhere. You could bless it if you wanted to and get rid of it. That's something I do as a quick and dirty thing, but otherwise you can, if there's his own sheet of paper, you can burn it. If it's a stone tablet, you can break it and bury it in the earth. Like, lots of different ways to go about that, but yeah, um, I've been talking about this for too damn long. Uh, happy Halloween everybody. Fucking curses are dumb. I hope you learned something about the history of curses, and uh, I hope you take away just some some good knowledge there was nothing really important said here today but if you gathered something from it i'm glad i just thought it was on par on brand and on theme we got to talk a little bit more about magic little tidbits of nuggets here and there and we got to talk about curses for spooky season don't let the demons get you i'll catch you next time don't forget to check out echoesbox.com peace